Hello, 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 everybody. My name is Jeremiah Craig coming at you for another episode of Ask the Bootmaker. Today, we have a very special guest out of El Paso and Jose Chavez, who is the owner and operator of BNV Boots. I'm so pumped to have Jose here. But before we get him in, I just want to talk about some new keychains that uh, I developed with my parents over at Twisted Wheel Fabrication. They turned that boot that's uh, in the logo into a keychain. It says old boots got sole on it. This is a really cool keychain. And of course, it does have the QR code on the back and I'm covering it up with my thumb because this QR code gets you access to the Boots and Ballads Vault where you get early access videos. You see the videos before anybody else. You get special access opportunities. You get special access merch. You get free stuff sometimes. So it's a really cool section of the website. And this is one of the cheapest ways into it. This is only $10 plus shipping. And you can get this brand new Old Boots Got Soul keychain at jeremiahcraig.com slash old boots keychain. So if anybody's interested in supporting the channel and getting some access to some cool stuff, that's a great way to do it. Now, let's get Jose in here and talk about some boots. It's great to see you guys all here. Let's do it. How's your day going so far? So far, so great. Everything's great. That's what I'm talking about. How about you? I'm 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 the same. Every day is great. Feeling good. So grateful okay. to be talking with you. Um, I'm wearing the uh, water buffalo calf boots right now that you made. Oh, great. Love these. They're so soft and uh, they are holding up great. So thanks again for these. No, thank you, thank you. And I've gotten quite a few of your followers and different combinations, same combination, but in that same material. Everybody has gotten uh, good reviews, thank God, and thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely well-deserved for sure. I'm wondering if you can kick us off with sure. your origin story, like how you got into boot making to begin with. Um, like in the first uh, interview, I had already told you, uh, it came out of a need because I couldn't find uh, something that either fitted me or that I completely liked, or and even also the matching accessories, because I I wanted to have my matching belt. Uh, eventually, the wallet is addictive. You start getting, you want to have, you see how good a boot fits, so you want to have everything fit, match or at least you know that's in quality. And that's where I started. Uh, in lieu of a store bought after rack, I started getting making my own. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you make your own, there's gonna be leftover. So I started selling, and next thing I know, I know I'm doing it for a living. That's awesome. What was the first experience like? When I mean, after you made these boots for yourself because you couldn't find the right boots and the right belts and things like that for you. What was the first experience like when somebody came to you and said, Jose, this is awesome. Can you make me some boots like this? Yeah, it, it's sort of a high. Um, I guess I live vicariously through my customers. Um, it reminds me of that first time when I 
crafted. Back then, I went to someone to make them for me. Eventually, my co-workers and I do them for ourselves, but I always relived that first moment when I went to a custom wood maker and I asked them, I want that upper a little higher, a little lower. I want that scallop here, there. And he was doing everything I wanted. I want a contrast upper, I want on tone, whatever. So now, every time I get a chance to, with a potential customer, starts the same thing and I relive it over and over, which is positive. And that's pretty much the draw. Nice. Is that your favorite part of boot making is the experience with the customer? Yeah, I think I love the whole process, but uh, I like the beginning of the loop, like you mentioned, where I start with the customer, we go back and forth and we discuss the options, the foot, the up or whatever. And then at the end, when the customer gets the boots and the look is rewarding, the look is rewarding and it draw again it brings back those memories so yeah that's a, my favorite part awesome uh i i love the fact that that communication is such an important part to you uh switching topics here real quick uh it's really snowy up here in boston and i saw that texas had some snow last week or the week before did el paso see any of that snow um we hardly got maybe a little sleet because we're oh. in the far west of paso uh, texas we got a little sleep north texas panhandle they got a lot more we barely had some some gale some sleep mm -hmm. the reason i ask is because carlos right now in the live chat asks yes. Are there any boots that you recommend that are best for the snow? Like from your experience, what are some of the qualities that make up a great boot for the snow? There's so many uh, to start off with. It's a dedicated snow boot. We would go not with a leather outsole. First of all, you need maybe a mini lug or some other type of uh, grip resistant uh, outer sole, you know, Something, uh, because leather, unless it has a sole saver for grip, it, it's better for non-humid or snowy. Second, you want something either oil-treated, uh, some cowhide oil-treated, even rough out, but oil-treated. Um, Bullhide does great, some shoulder, but again, the oil and the salt and the snow, it eventually starts cracking so that it, maybe you could get a boot shoulder that's oil treated which there is many available that works great they just treat it with some mink oil to waterproof it mm -hmm. totally uh i learned the hard way being up here in in the northeast and going to college um in rochester new york i used to wear my leather sole cowboy boots in the winter and i Learned fast not to do that after I fell on my ass. <laughs> yeah, it's very slippery. And eventually the salt and the, the water is going to get to the outer salt. Yeah. That salt can do nasty things to the leather too. It's awful. It's oh, awful. Crack it. Thanks for the question, Carlos. And if anybody else watching right now has any questions for Jose, feel free to 
put them in the live chat and I will do my best to get to them and ask Jose your question. Now, one of the things that I remember from uh, talking with you about making these water buffalo calf boots was the, the lasts that you use. And, and yes, sir. you use Justin lasts, is that correct? Am I remembering correctly? Uh, at least for your pair, yes. Okay. I, I bought, I have, I was lucky enough to acquire back in the day, maybe two to three runs, I mean, in the same size, I got repeated many of them. That's not to say I don't have, at least in my J-toe, my R-toes, uh, they're all just a mess. Okay. I, I think it's a great place to start because it's a, a brand that is very mainstream, very, I mean, everybody's familiar with that in terms of fitting, and then we always build it up. But if I were to do, if I had all the money that I needed, I can tweak it even more, send it to the last factory and make my J tools, my R tools, my French tools, everything with the same specs to keep uniformity. Mm -hmm. But as, they, as I have them, they work fantastic and I can always build it up at, at the instep, at the ball as needed. But if I were to make like for stock, I don't think I, I could do, I could do worse. What's that process like? How do you find yourself being able to purchase a number of lasts from Justin or Tony Lama or from any other company? If, if there's anybody interested in getting into boot making, um, how do they find those opportunities? Uh, you really have to network. Uh, obviously, I didn't buy them straight from, from Justin. There was uh, one older bootmaker that uh, he uh, retired, and I met him, and he sold them to me. And I mean, I'm saying sold them; he practically gave them to me. It's very, very because he was uh, retiring. But um, you can also just contact the last factory and have them make them to you, for you. The only problem, again, money, because they won't sell you one size you need to buy uh anywhere from three dozen to 48 as a minimum order and that's all d widths all the same till you can't get two and two and two and whatever so that's where the little problem lies interesting so when you made my boots which were a b width did you have that last or did you have to no. Uh, you didn't, so how did you make oh, that? I, I have the last. I oh, you did? Last. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, remember you told me you were borderline 12, 11 and a half, 12. So I was ready to build it up to a 12 in case, um, in case you wanted a 12. But we kept the, I think we were in agreement because of the leather being so supple to leave it at that uh, slightly, slightly smaller size. Mm -hmm. And that way you would, your foot would have been the last. Yep. And I was a little skeptical of making that decision myself after yep. I got them. But now that they're broken in, I, I think they're absolutely perfect. So it's, a, it, yep. I'm definitely do not have any regrets at all. Great that kind of goes into a question that we just got in the live chat from John Woodrow. 
right. who asks like about the ordering process. Is there a difference in fit between you measuring somebody in person or somebody else sending you their size or maybe tracing their foot and sending uh, the measurements to you? How does that all work? Um, whenever possible, if I can measure them, it's much better. Uh, there's some uh, customers that have already had custom boots, so they know a little more about the process. It's not rocket science, but any, you know, if they're measuring their foot and they happen to the first time, they tilt the pen one way or the other when they're measuring, you know, we're adding or subtracting one eighth, one quarter of an inch, or they use a very thick, one of those blotter bingo type markers, same deal. Or, you know, for the most part, I prefer if they, to measure standing up, because all the weight goes to the feet and they kind of tend to flare out as, as much as they're gonna flare out. Mm -hmm. But many people, me included, have trouble measuring oneself and they don't wanna bother someone. So they'll take a measurement sitting down and your feet are not as uh, as wide as they're gonna get. Or they're not too, I mean, it takes some practice to draw that outline and then with a tape measure to take the measurements where it's needed. I've gotten clients, and this is not to make fun of them, who'll trace their foot already with the boot where, you know, I tell them, please, I don't think you have to take, tell them, but please take off your shoes and measure the outline of your shoes. But I have customers who do it with the boots on. And needless to say, it's not going to work like that. Right. So do you recommend that people either go to you to get uh, measured for a custom pair or order a specific size like I did, like a special order? Say, Jose, I want this kind of boot and have it be an 11 and a half B. Um, it's like one or the other, but no measuring someone's self uh, because there's too I, much I, I room for error? No, 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 no. That worked. We kind of do a guesstimate of sorts. I know gotcha. it's not, we do, I know it's not practical. Someone in the East Coast, West Coast, they're going to probably not going to drive or fly unless they have whatever business coming anyways. But we start backwards. If they can't send me a measurement, maybe there is a boot that almost fits them in the same tilt. If they send me a boot that fits them as close as they like, you know, as long as you tell me we can fit a last, see where it's uh, loose, fill it in, or if it's too tight, and you tell me some other measurements. So we add all the factors. You tell me I'm an 11 and Lucchese, you send me a boot, a measurement, and we'll, we can narrow the, the correct size from there. Wow. The width. Yeah. What it's, about? It takes more longer, but Yeah, it, it sounds it. It sounds yeah. it. So let's say I was to send you um, one of my Boulet boots and right. uh, that boot isn't really necessarily my size. Like it's a 10 and a half E in the Boulet right. size. So it's kind of stretched out a little bit over the welt in some areas because the in in those specific areas, my foot is wider than what the boot was. So it eventually broke in. So if I sent you that boot, would you be able to sort of make up that difference if somebody didn't have 
the proper fitting foot to be or the proper fitting boot to begin with and then they sent you it when it was broken in is that something that would it's work a little we're guessing a little there but i mean yeah if you told me this is slightly tighter this boot is a little tighter i'd want to have a little more room but i am guessing in that sense okay i would be guessing uh i don't want to lie to you but it had to be something that fits them almost right. Mm -hmm. If you tell me, uh, this boot is a little tight on me, on the instep, you know, we could give it a little leeway, but we're talking 116 because the, the leather is going to give a lot. Right. But uh, we have to guess on the, like you mentioned, in that case with the relay, we might guess wrong. And I don't, it's a guesstimate. Not yeah. a complete guess. Uh, and we want to keep all the other factors. Like currently in a dress shoe, I use a nine and a tennis shoe, I use a nine and a half. So we tie in all the factors, kind of make an informed guess. And measurements can help, it can't hurt. If you send me measurements, everything will come in handy. It sounds like there's a lot that could go wrong when you're doing all of these guessing. Uh, games. When did you feel comfortable saying, you know what, I'm going to try this and mm -hmm. I'm going to guess the size based off of these other kinds of boots and shoes that you have worn previously with your customers? I mean, it's got to be a, a big jump to take because you're not yeah. sure that it will actually work at the end of the day. It's because uh, I think the first 10 years was hit and miss. After uh -huh. the this second 10 years, we're, we're going to be 20 years into working in May. Wow, congrats. So we narrowed it down a lot by asking a lot of questions. Back and forth with the customer. Um, one thing that helps a lot, I need to know, and it helps us narrow down the size. You want it to fit the way it should be, snug. You want it to fit medium. You want it to fit loose. And the reason I, that helps us determine the size either from a 10 and a half David to a 10 and a half single lady, which is a smith, I mean, it's a hairline difference, but that makes all the difference in the world. And I think it was after that 10 years with, you know, back and forth with the customer. And in the case of very expensive boots, like other uh, bootmakers have told you, we do recommend, if it's a very expensive pair, to make a regular cap or a regular, even without any stitching, like a tri, um, whatchamacallit, a something so they can try for size. Try for size? Yeah, make a pair that is not as expensive. In the case of something uh. like pull-up gator, pull-up ostrich, whatnot, heavy inlays, tooling, we always recommend the same deal that they could do uh, trial there okay. in cowhide. But yeah. Makes sense. Wow. 10 years to hone that process and be able to ask the right questions for the right fit uh, is, it makes sense. And for you to stick with it that long, because it seems like a lot of bootmakers wouldn't even bother doing that. It's like, just just either just come in and I'll measure you and we'll make sure that it's right. Or 
um, just send me a size and I, I'll make it for you. But for you to take all this information and then filter it down to a, a boot that actually fits somebody and they're happy with it, that at the end of the day is really impressive. Well, uh, we appreciate the customer looking at us. So it's no trouble. We, we want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I know they can't maybe come as, as <laughs> when they need the boot for that wedding for that particular uh and they can't come over so we're willing to take the measurements and work with them to get the right fitting love it that is that is a, a great story of being able to communicate well with your customers it's so rare and i'm so happy to hear that you guys are doing well with it so you're making the boot for somebody and right you're thinking about leathers. I got several questions in the live chat all about what is your favorite exotic leather to use when building boots? Ooh. <laughs> so hard to narrow it. Uh, I mean, sometimes I tell you gator, sometimes uh, I'm ostrich, I guess. Very hard to decide because belly hair is gray, but uh, ostrich, uh, ostrich I think is mainstream, very very popular, very subtle, very supple. You can't go wrong. There's many colors, so I think ostrich would be my my go-to. Nice. Yeah. And there's so many different styles of ostrich too. You got the full quill, the smooth, and the ostrich leg. Yes, yes, we um I'm very ostrich belly is the softest. Um I'm very partial to even my own personal full quill on the bamp and then smooth ostrich on the upper. Mm -hmm. Because smooth ostrich is so soft and you can always give a either either a cording or a little stitch pattern, and it highlights the, you know, the few uh, quills that it has. And it's for comfort. It's for comfort. That thing is going to be, you can walk in it 16 hours, 14 hours, and nothing comes. No, You don't get as tired. Yeah. The ostrich is so soft. Uh, I yep. love it as well, especially that smooth ostrich look. Um, yeah. I'm kind of a fan of that because the, the quills don't pop as much, but you still get Correct. the nice soft feel of the ostrich. Correct. Awesome. Um, so when you're um, making the boots, yes, what sir. is your favorite part of making a boot? And I've talked with several boot makers out there and they all have like their different favorite um, process uh, when making the boot is is there a specific process that stands out to you as being one of your favorite parts of making a boot uh, i think even before we get to lasting when the upper is being attached to the bam because that's you, you immediately have uh you know you immediately have something you can visualize and everybody knows that's going to be the future look of the boot you can so as long as the upper and the bamp are already attached i think that's the culmination of the you can 
obviously once it's finished and cosmetically detailed, it's a great feeling as well. But mm -hmm. that the start, this is already something tangible for me. And it starts to take the shape of a boot after you have all the pieces laid out. Yeah, because once, you know, uh, I might cut the upper, my cut, I might cut the bam, and then the stitcher is stitching away the upper on the flat machine. You still, you know, you still can't picture it yet. But once it's already put together, definitely you can, you can pretty much go in time and you can visualize the whole product. Mm -hmm. That's a great looking, that's a great looking front right there. Appreciate it. I like it's the crown on. that you have on that as well, up top. Is that, yeah, is that we, ostrich as well? Yes, uh, everything is ostrich. Well, kangaroo, aniline, Italian aniline kangaroo with smooth ostrich, uh, quill here and there. We're going to call this the comendador. And this is a collar or crown. And obviously, it's going to have matching ostrich pulls once it's ready. Beautiful. Tied it in. So that's a... a a boot that you are going to stock as one of your designs. Yeah. You just um, because you, that's exactly the, the idea. Most of the time uh, we've been mainly anonymous because for the most part, we've done private label mm -hmm. mainly for some Western wear stores, but even for some fellow boot makers, uh, maybe we do their belts, their wallets, uh, but even boots, as capable as they are, sometimes they will be, they might have had way too much work that they couldn't handle, so they we would handle making some extra pairs for them. The point I'm getting to is that, therefore, uh, people ask me for a, your original design, and we pump out original designs, but they're geared towards that Western wear store, that boutique in New York, the Santa Fe, you know what? So they always associate it with them, not with us, because mm -hmm. it has their tag. So we want to do a few of our own designs and hopefully uh, make some in stock and try to have something ready-made, maybe some commercial sizes. That is so cool. Uh, what... Would you charge for a boot like that uh, coming out of your shop there in El Paso? Just because of the heavy inlay, and obviously the inlays are with the matching ostrich, mm -hmm. something like this would start maybe in the 750 mm -hmm. range. Which seems like a good of, price for all of that. Well, yeah, we try. It's hard. We can't compete with the big box big manufacturers, but uh, hopefully your followers keep in mind that we buy an ostrich, two ostriches at a time, whereas the big companies, it's an economy of scale. They'll mm -hmm. load up a semi every week of ostrich. So needless to say, they get a much better price because they buy volume. Without a doubt. But and those companies aren't doing all that inlay and... Overlay. No, no, no. For the most part, the ones that make it, 
Again, it's with a laser. It's not, and we can always modify it. You want these switched around the shape vertically, we can do it on a pin. Mm -hmm. Turn, change it, uh, bone, you want to contrast it. They will not stop the press to make you a food to match your lights. We can. Mm -hmm. So now that you're getting into those, uh, those kinds of boots with, that you design and that you are offering specifically, we had a question from, uh, I believe it was Neil, who asks, yes. do you prefer that sort of thing where you're designing the boot or do you prefer to make a personalized design uh, that somebody else is is designing say like uh when working with me on the boots where i was like i want my logo there right in the middle what's your favorite process i think like i told you at the beginning whenever i work with a customer and we make their own food mm -hmm. and again it relieves i get that nostalgia so i enjoy that even more even though I'm not making as much money because it's a single pair, but it, it, I'd like to see them happy with their boots. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the extra business if I were to sell volumes, you know, hundreds of pairs, but I don't think I would be as happy as when I see a customer enjoy their boots. No doubt. So. No doubt. That's a great answer. Uh, so you are, you're based in El Paso still. Yes, I am. And El Paso used to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest city for cowboy boots in the world. Uh, yes, now it's argued and seems to be maybe that has moved to Leon, Mexico. With your time being in El Paso for the past 20 years making boots, how have you seen that affect the city and the boot industry as a whole, being in El Paso and seeing a lot of that business go to Leon? Yeah, it, it has been painful because there are some guys, outstanding artisans. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, the cost of labor in Leon, the high level of automation, Again, the economies of scale, everything uh, brings the price of the food, the final outcome, it, it brings it lower than for a U.S. made food. It's, I don't want to say a ghost town because it's still very vibrant food maker uh, community here. And I just, I think there's a, a small, more, more mainstream awareness what goes into handmade um, boots, wherever they might be. So I'm just hoping that eventually we can get to an equilibrium mm -hmm. where we can, we're never going to compete with mass produce, but as the same can be, is true for them. They will never get that niche where they can satisfy the needs of uh, repeat boot makers. Food wearers, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you're looking to the future that more people in the mainstream, cowboys, uh, not dedicated cowboys, but there's many other customers that are 
hopefully being becoming boot uh, wearers. Yes, definitely. I'm noticing that as well. Yeah, for sure. With the pandemic the last year, I mean, most of that business is going down to Leon in recent years, but then we had the pandemic last year and still today. How has that affected your business with you making some of these boot lines for boot stores um, all across the country? I mean, they stocked your boots, but put their name on them. And then some of them I saw might've gone out of business. Uh, yeah. Are you making any adjustments to the way that you do business or is it pretty much business as usual? No, no, you, you hit the nail. Many uh, customers that were retail star, stores in every genre, every have mainly gone to online only mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. And we're far below, we're far behind in online uh, retail. So well, that's why we're branching out trying to slowly but hopefully surely get on the bandwagon to sell online at least you know offer our our products direct to a customer in lieu or of the of them seeing them at the at the boutique at the western wear store so we want to offer straight to the customer love it do you find that as being one of the biggest struggles right now for you is trying to get into that online market or is there something else that might be a little bit uh, of, a, of a struggle in your business as a bootmaker? Well, um, that is a struggle. I think that one, that is something we can eventually conquer. Mm -hmm. I think the overall economy is what worries me more the overall economy, I understand people are having so much trouble right now just to pay their house, you know, make house payments and whatnot. And with the virus lurking, and I understand that they're not going to be putting priority on a luxury item. So that's more so than the online um, challenge. Mm -hmm. That's what worries me more. The, the economy and also the number of skilled workers because again there used to be so many skilled workers that could do this type of work could help me could help me out and they've been retired or they're simply not into it because of the economy again they can't make a living mm -hmm. so that is one of the big hurdles we face do you find that uh, younger people in El Paso are not as interested in getting into the industry of boot making and learning that trade as they may have been in the past? Yeah, trading, all the trades in general, I think uh, the younger people are more, I mean, by far more tech savvy, digital age. So not many of them are as uh, happy to to work with their hands. They're still more. They they were born into the digital area, digital era. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And they hopefully with this video and all your fine YouTube installments, 
people are starting to get a more of a, a liking to just the trades, not only boot leather work, but handmade uh, trades. I hope so too. Do you have uh, uh, any advice for somebody who might be interested uh, in trying to figure out if boot making is maybe for them? Is there a, w a place where they could start? Because it seems like they might have some interest, but where do you start? Like there's no college degrees for it. How does somebody yeah. get into boot making? There's some, uh, there's some shops that do offer intern. I don't want to say internship, but it's uh, like an apprenticeship mm -hmm. program. I, I would be more than happy to do so. But right now, uh, because of the economy, it's a little hard. Someone that would come in as an apprentice, obviously they need to still get paid. And right now it's something we cannot afford to do. Right. But there's other bootmakers who can probably so, probably do so. And I mean, if, if all else, they're welcome to come here and look around and see if they like it. And I don't know, we could probably work something out. Nice. At least a, a shadow, shadow you for they, a day or something. Yeah, they could come in, they could see the process, they could see the laster, the stitcher, the finisher, uh, even the cosmetics. There's, I mean, the guy doing the cosmetic touches, retouches, shoe shining, it, it takes some skill. It's not, um, you know, getting the, the uppers treed out. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a little for everyone. You want to learn the whole process to make the whole boot from, I mean, more power to you. Awesome. There is a lot of opportunity out there, especially for people who are just looking to learn, right? Correct. Um, I mean, it seems like I always want to get paid for the things that I do, but there's often times where I find it more valuable to myself to do something for free and make it work out to where I can benefit in the future rather than right now at this one time. Um, and I, I think that some people need to realize that sometimes that it's, it, it's something that sh you invest in yourself. So you don't always get paid right away. You invest in yourself and then the, the pay comes even bigger down the line. Yeah, good things come to those who wait. Great, great saying. Uh, what is the biggest surprise that you've experienced in your bootmaking business recently? Any good stories that you were just so happy and surprised about? Good question. I found there's so many. Uh, I found people have tracked me from like the stores that have closed because like Santa Fe, the owner retired, and people that bought there, apparently they bought my boot, two, three pairs, and they've got it a hold of the owner, they cracked me down, and these are repeat offenders. It's a great feeling, I mean, they go through that trouble, that is a surprise for me, I really appreciate it. That's wow. one of them, and the other one that you mentioned earlier that there's more awareness and apparently more appeal to the 
you know, mainstream uh, customers for goods. That's another big surprise. That is Positive. such a testament to the quality in your work that someone is willing to go through that amount of detective work to track you down by calling a number of different people. Yeah, well, it's a testament to my guys because, you know, it's a group effort. There's not one person here that does everything. Okay. So it's a collective effort. One might cut, I cut, another uh, co-worker stitches. So, you know, it's the same ship. Gotcha. So unlike other custom boot makers, you have a team of people working for you who do a specific thing at any one time. Have you right. done every single step yourself? No, no, no. Not myself. I, I got one coworker who can do every single step, mm -hmm. but he's much better at lasting. Yeah, that's his forte, but he can, he can stitch. He can, I got another one that he can do 80% of the work, but his forte is stitching. Therefore, you know, and I am the least of them. I am, you know, I'll cut. I can cut with a thigh any day, obviously. I cut uppers by hand. I line them. I do, I dabble with the cosmetics. I'm the janitor. I'm the marketing director. I'm the, you know, whoever brings the tortas, mm -hmm. the sodas. So everybody has a little share. Yeah. But I, I have two guys that can pretty much do the whole boot, but they really excel one at lasting and one at stitching. So I love that, that you've put together a team where you are able to take advantage of the talents and the skills that each one of those people are best at and thereby getting you the best product possible. Uh, do you find like that's a great way to sort of not only quality check each step, but also um, yeah. ensure that there are less mistakes along the way? Yeah, that, that is a great question. Because the previous guy knows the next few steps, they overlap and they take care, you know, out of correct if you want, if you will. And plus the trust is there. Uh, because these guys have known each other for a long time. Sure, they argue, but I mean, you know, they, they reconcile quickly when they point out, you know, such and such mistake. And to the point right now, a skeletal proof right now, because we're, we're less than what we, we had in, in another era, but mm -hmm. everybody has a key to the shop. They can come in at will, you know, we don't have a certain time, obviously within five, half an hour, everyone has a key in, if needed, because there's a trust right there. That's awesome. It's very cool that you're able to employ a team of people to make a custom boot for somebody. Because you employ uh, so many people to do those different steps, what 
is the base price of your boot, if you don't mind me asking, like just the leather, what is, what is the base price when purchasing That's something from you? We have a base price right now of 350. Wow. Yeah. This is pretty what much- What kind of leather? A cowhide with a, a kid upper. I might have three or four colors cowhide. The kid, I don't know, there's six, seven, even if I don't have it in stock, uh, I can readily buy one or two, you know, I don't have to buy volume. At that price point, you're eligible for maybe three basic stitch patterns, still by hand, everything is the same. And I might have, at my discretion, the option to upgrade you to a, uh, maybe I don't have time to go buy some kit for the upper, I might, you know, upgrade you for free to a nicer premium leather for the upper, mm -hmm. at my discretion. If you call for a black kit, I just might have enough black, you know, water buffalo cap or something nicer. And I want to save the time of going to buy it. I just might upgrade you. But it's again at my discretion because I can't guarantee it all the time because it's a big difference in price between kid and either water buffalo or Italian, you know, Euro calf. Uh, kangaroo, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Wow, so that seems like a very competitive price to some of the boots that are coming out of Leon or even in the United States, like some of you, your United States competitors. $350 for a special order custom made boot where somebody Except gets to choose their colors. Right. That is super yes. competitive. Yeah, that wouldn't be a custom measured Foot. Okay. But still, you know, it'd be maybe a minor upgrade, maybe 30 bucks here. If there's a super, maybe a four year, you know, something that would be close to stock, you know, clean last. Mm -hmm. And we have to build up a lot. If it's like a single eddy upgrade, where we just build up a David last to a single E with, that's still fly. If there were a lot more work to be done on fixing the last, then it would be, a, I don't know, anywhere from 30 to $50, which I, I think is still very competitive compared to, like you mentioned, there's the cowhide boots coming from Lyon at 500 bucks. Yep. And they're not custom in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And these are all leather side seams, top bead, uh, lining is, I mean, all cowhide cap. Channeled insoles? Correct. Yeah, the whole deal. Everything all is, traditional. And besides sand welding, the leather is, I mean, the insoles are leather. I see all these insoles that are cardboard, and they have the canvas lacing for the weld machine to get them. Yep. Obviously, they can't cut the groove because it's a cardboard insole. So we do hand welting on top of the hand lasting. So it comes in handy when you're doing stingray or different tension animals that are, some heights are very soft and some are very brittle. Mm -hmm. Also some toes, snip toes, 
the machine, the welding machine is like a machine gun. It's very fast. I don't know if you've seen them in Leon. Yes. It's not gonna, the tension of that thing, you end up with the toes crooked because you might have set the settings on the machine for steam ring and then you go and do something soft like uh, ostrich and you start getting those toes up and down crooked and by welding by hand the operator knows every single pair is different mm -hmm. and they're going to apply as much or as little uh strength or pull as needed wow well that is a great price a great starting price uh so if anybody watching or listening right now is interested in learning more about what you can get and the amazing traditional make that you can get from Jose at BMV Boots, uh, definitely consider reaching out to Jose. And Jose, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and sort of uh, get your ideas and learn more about what you can offer and maybe the price about what they might be interested in, what is the best way to reach out to you and get that process going? They can call me. Uh, if you've been kind putting the number, 915-861-2403. They can email me at bnbboots at gmail. And I just got an Instagram account, which I, honestly, I don't even know the, the address yet. I think it's, it's BNB Boots. You know I tagged it. I tagged it. Everybody sir. just go to my Instagram. You can yeah, find them there. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I just, uh, I, like I told you, I'm behind the curve uh, online-wise. Uh, so far, hopefully, we can eventually get into a web page. Mm -hmm. But for the time being, that'd be the best deal. No doubt. And I recommend uh, definitely reaching out to Jose if anybody has any questions at all. Jose, thank you so much for taking the thank time you, today on this Ask the Bootmaker. I'm wishing you the best in 2021. And uh, let me know if you need uh, any help with your uh, marketing or web presence. I'd be happy to jump on a call with you anytime and uh, we can discuss great. some stuff. Uh, I, I really great. like talking about marketing and stuff. So anything I could do for you, I'm more than happy to. I really appreciate that. Thank you, sir. I will take you up on your word. Awesome. Looking forward so to you it. You can come and visit sometime. Oh, I'd love to. For sure. Can't wait. Thanks Thank for you. watching and listening, everybody. I'll see you next Thank time. You, everybody. Jose, peace. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you so much.